You know what, Em? I am tired of talking about humans on this show. So let's talk about animals. <gasps> ah, little babies. Yeah, I was going to say fur babies. I feel like that's become kind of out. Chuggy? Is that Chuggy now? Precisely. I never know which Chuggy anymore, but Do I'll just... Do we say Chuggy anymore? Maybe that's not cool anymore either. I don't know. Is saying Chuggy, Chuggy? I don't know. It might be. It probably is. It could be the scariest thing we talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> How old we are, elder millennials. Yeah. Well, there is a little twist here. The animals we're talking about are called familiars, and Mm. they are the devoted pets to witches. So today, I think we can all agree that familiars have a much more positive reputation. But with anything occult related, there's, of course, a dark past. Mm -hmm. But we do get to talk about not just little babies, but spooky babies, little babies. That's, That's true. Little demonic babies. Yay! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Rituals, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Christine Chiefer. And I'm M. Schultz. And every week, we'll explore the evolution of spiritualism and the occult through stories, practices, and the impact on modern culture. We are getting ready to talk about some familiars, whether they're furry or scaly or Ooh. feathered. Feathered? Uh, yeah. Mm. Or naked. Sometimes there's a mole rat in there. You never know. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very excited about this. I have watched Charmed, so I feel as elementary prepared as possible. I don't know. You sound sound like it. <laughs> I sound bad, which means I'm ready to learn a lot more. Uh, anyway, let's crack into it. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. All right. So speaking of pets, we're going to be talking about pets in the context of witches today. But do you have a pet that was, I'm thinking maybe your dog Bones, right? Wasn't that like one of your most devoted pets? He was a good boy. Yeah. Bones I had from four to 14. So Mm -hmm. pretty formative years. And as an only child, I think my parents saw him as like a replacement for a sibling. (laughs) (laughs) To a point where when my parents got divorced in their like custody scenario, the dog came with me everywhere. So like I know. So I always had the dog with me no matter where I was staying. So, yeah, we were little buddies and he was a really good dog. I haven't really had any other pets, so I don't know what a devoted pet looks like as an adult. But I would say he was definitely the mainstay 
like my whole childhood, I just remember him always being there. And he was very good. He was very kind. I think his whole life, he was like an old grumpy man. He just mm. kind of just sat on the same stair every day for his whole life. And he was very content with that. <laughs> and so, Aww, an old soul. An old soul. But he wasn't loud or he was just kind of always there and just ready to lounge with you. He was a good dog. That's so sweet. Well, are you familiar <laughs> with any <laughs> kind of animals in the world of the occult or spiritualism in particular? I've only heard of familiars, actually. But again, like I said, I have a very rudimentary understanding of them. I don't even know if my understanding on them is correct. So what about you? Are you aware of any other animals and spiritualism? You know, not really, except that I did learn, you know, when there's that kind of trope about witches that when they're making, you know, a potion or a brew that they're putting in like eye of newt and yeah. wing of bat and all that do you know that, fun fact, that actually most of those terms were not meant to be parts of actual animals? Oh. They were it? meant to refer to plants. Like, so certain plants looked like those, like a wing of a bat or mm. eye of newt. And so that was kind of the nickname for these plants. At least this is what I remember learning a year or two ago, because part of at least from what I understand about being a witch is like not harming animals. So they weren't just murdering bats and like ripping their wings off and putting them in potions. Interesting. It was actually supposed to be more like herbal or plant based stuff. I like how like instead of just having a name for the plant, they just kind of went off of its like illustration. They were yeah, just like, I wonder why that is. <laughs> I don't know. And also like an eye of newt. I feel like that eye probably looks similar to many other eyes. What if I picked the wrong plant? Yeah. Or why was it called Eye of Newt compared to something else? But that's interesting. Okay, I just looked it up to make sure. And yeah, apparently the witch's scene in Shakespeare's Macbeth is where they describe this concoction, Eye of Newt and Toe of Frog, Wool of Bat and Tongue of Dog. And they refer to plants, not animal parts. And Eye of Newt specifically is a pseudonym for mustard seed. Oh, that does look like an Eye of Newt. Now I get it. I don't know what mustard seed looks. Oh, like this literal seed. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Fun. Yeah. So anyway, fun fact for you there. That's the only kind of animal slash witch fact I have aside from familiars, which what is your understanding of a familiar? Okay. So again, like I said, I couldn't even say the word elementary earlier. So bear with me. <laughs> you said rudimentary though, and that was pretty good. It was a recovery from not being able to... <laughs> I was trying to say I have an elementary understanding, but whatever. It doesn't matter. My probably wrong understanding of a familiar. Again, I've only watched Charmed and I've only heard through like my own friends what a familiar might be, but it's either like a spirit guide or something along those lines, maybe a family member who is is someone connected to you almost in disguise as an animal. And it could be an animal somewhere in your environment, so either your pet or an animal you see in your neighborhood all the time. And it's for them to like be able to check in on you or guide you to safety or give you answers you're looking for. And I only mainly know of it because my friend Deirdre had a cat princess who lived way too long, by the way, that cat. <laughs> I feel like I waited for that cat to not be with us for a very long time. And every time I'd go home to visit, I'd be like, holy shit, she's still here. <laughs> we always thought she like if familiars exist, she kind of felt like one to everybody. She always felt like it always seemed like she knew way too much for a cat or it just seemed like oh, she God. was <laughs> beyond her years. It was weird. It just felt like she could understand you and it made no sense. I don't know how else to describe it, except it felt like she knew what the hell was going on all the time, which mm. means she knew I was waiting for her to die. Yeah, not good. Not, not good, good. Not it good. It makes sense in hindsight, though, because that cat never liked me. 
So. <laughs> well, there you go. I wonder why. But that's my basic definition of a familiar is that it's just someone that's spiritually aligned or related to you looking out for you. But as an animal. As an animal. Maybe in disguise or something like that. I don't know. Okay. I think they're actually animals from the start, from what I've gathered from this research. But we'll get into it. Okay. Because my understanding is pretty similar, pretty basic from watching like Sabrina Mm. and that, you know, shows like that. But we're going to learn much more about it today. So Okay, cool. And when I say we're going to learn more about it, I mean, we're going to get familiar with the topic. You know, you're going to use that through and through, and I'm going to let you do it, too. Thank you. So sometimes familiars were actually referred to as imps, which is something I did not know. Mm -mm, Nope. Like everything with this deep of a history, there are varying descriptions of what form a witch's familiar comes in and what their purpose is. In more modern times, you probably like have heard of the trope of a witch's familiar being a cat, oftentimes a black cat. Which is weird because Princess was a black cat, by the way. Well, there you go. Super weird. But they've also been known to be ferrets, mice, moles. I mean, maybe your naked mole rat could fit in here. Mm -hmm. Toads and the occasional dog, too. So that's nice. In those forms, a familiar would be controlled by an evil spirit. So it was this is where we take a turn. So it was okay. connected to the devil. <laughs> so this naked mole rat is pretty demonic. In they do feel kind of evil to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like they've got a sinister spirit. <laughs> okay, so that's interesting because I never even crossed my mind they could be evil. I always just saw them well, as Well, if good. you think about how witches were perceived. That makes sense. You know, they had a similar perception about them, I guess. Mm-hmm. So this is generally a piece of the lore where people connected familiars with the devil, meaning witches were also connected with the devil and therefore also evil. So yeah. the fact that they're friends, they're buddies, means they must both be like in cahoots with the devil. Makes sense. Makes sense. There's also stories of insects, including bees and flies, being around during the English witch trials. If I had a familiar and it was a fly, I think I would be so disappointed, like endlessly <laughs> disappointed. I'd be like, really? Everybody else gets like a ferret? I know. Well, you know, that doesn't make sense, though, because, like, I guess I never understood why, like, in The Exorcist, there was, like, all these flies. Like, or oh, they were, like, uh, legion harbingers of, of death or something. From hell. Straight from hell. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess they're associated with death, you know, coming from maggots and all that. Well, now if they're associated in this way, too, I could see how they're, like, a maybe a demonic. Mm-hmm. There's something more than just death. I don't know. But also, I'm like, of course there were flies. It was, like, 1300. <laughs> there wasn't indoor plumbing. That's also fair that there was probably more bugs. There weren't pesticides around, you know. Right. Well, and especially if you're putting these people on trial and like packing people in a hot courthouse or mm-hmm. putting them up on a, you know, some sort of what's the word? A gallows or whatever. Like, of course, there's going to be flies buzzing around. But OK, it's a good point to go back to your original point, though. A fly as you're familiar of all of them. <laughs> I'd be like, God, that's God, man. That's how I imagine like the heart planeteer feels. It's like, oh, I'm just here for like the what? Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Oh, I don't see. No, I'm not familiar. I'm not familiar. <laughs> okay, Christine, get out of here with that. <laughs> so again, this plays off the devil part. The insects were considered a sign of familiars carrying out demonic acts like damaging crops and causing famine. So I guess they were onto something considering the bubonic plague was, you know, carried by fleas mm-hmm. on rats and bugs are known to destroy crops. So I guess I do see why they were considered a negative presence. And if they were associated with witches, they might be. I can see that connection there. Fair enough. Now, you may wonder, how does a witch come to get a familiar attached to them? 
Well, let me tell mm, you. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> you can guess if you want, but uh, it wouldn't help anyone. So okay. no, thank you. <laughs> As detailed in a 2019 article by Professor Helen Parrish in the journal Religion, some stories say the familiar approaches the witch with the promise they'll help them with their feelings of being alone or distressed. Mm-hmm. So basically, a cat will come up and say, hey, take a seat. I'll comfort you and be your friend, which, I mean, I would fall for in a heartbeat. That's a very similar to how a lot of people say, like, I didn't find my pet. They found me. Who saved who? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who saved who? So I feel like people still will get a pet if they're especially I mean, like pets have been known to really like help alleviate depression or things yeah, like that. Yeah. So I feel like that's still a thing of like animals are there to help you through feeling alone, isolated. And yeah, absolutely. I can see how that immediately became a trope because it's still a trope, just in a different way today. Mm -hmm. It's also been said the familiar just appears and is now the witch's pet or the familiar is handed down to them, which I feel like you kind of alluded to when you were saying, like, if they're in your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like how princess lived forever. <laughs> princess, I'm telling you, it was not normal. Like, there should have been studies on her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, that had to have been an ancestor or something. Something creepy was going on with that animal. <laughs> There's also the argument that a familiar spirit was a demonic entity that would fool the witch into aligning with the devil. So almost like the witch was innocent until this animal, this familiar, would kind of trick her into signing her soul up for the devil. Aha. Uh -huh. So the which was so alone that she agrees to follow the devil so to have a friend. for friends. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That makes me feel a little targeted, but we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, when the familiars acted evil, it was them acting on behalf of the devil. And the witch that owned that familiar had allegedly made a contractual arrangement to be loyal to Satan. Uh -huh. Yeah, and inflict harm. So, I mean... I don't know what they're thinking like these ferrets are doing that's so evil, but I guess a cat could eat someone's pet mouse. I don't know where the evil part. Imagine if the pet mouse was also a familiar. Oh, shit. Well, then you're in really big trouble. Just a duel of spirits. Honestly, that's Satan's own fault if he set that partnership up. That's true. That's true. Well, I was going to say, can you imagine working at like the SPCA or something at the time, whatever that means, and just like having all these animals to pick from and like which ones are having allegiance with Satan? You know, I you feel just like even just being on a farm, you have like barnyard yeah. cats, you have cows, like which one gets to be the demonic entity? I don't know. I guess it's whichever one is the meanest. Yeah. How does Satan pick which animals are worth his time to seduce into right? like, being friends with you? You know, we've talked about how goats mm -hmm. have come to symbolize Satan. And I wonder why there are not more goat familiars, but maybe cats are just sneaky and more considered pets. I guess so, but you would think you could combine the two stereotypes and witches and goats should be friends, right? I like that partnership, but I mean... Whatever. What do I know? Fucking nothing. You're not... Seeing, I guess not so. much at all. <laughs> so once a witch gets a familiar, then what? Well, obviously, um, they need a name. Mm -hmm. So usually what they would do is give them human names. Uh -huh. Love that. And then they would keep them in pots or boxes lined with sheep's wool. <laughs> Wait, so you're so desperate for a friend, Satan gives you one, and then you keep him in a box. Put him in a pot. <laughs> and you name him, like, Carl or something. <laughs> you put him in a flower pot with a lid on it. This is my friend Carl. He's a naked mole rat, and he's very evil. <laughs> <laughs> this is my pet mongoose. His name is Jeff, and I leave him upstairs in the closet. <laughs> very evil being. 
familiars were fed. This is obviously we get into their dietary habits and this is troubling. They were fed anything from milk, bread and raw meat to witch's blood. So sharp turn there. So really the gamut is wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So milk and bread. Okay, okay, okay. And then we go to like human blood very quickly. And the ritual of blood feeding was meant to not just nourish the familiar, yuck, but also was a reward for fulfilling the devil's demands. You're holding up your end of the bargain in this yeah. sacrificing yourself yes, to the devil. Yes, Okay, exactly. Because some believe that feeding it human blood also gave the familiar quasi-human status. And if you fed blood to a demon, which the familiar was considered, that meant you were offering your soul to the devil. So basically like what you're saying, like you're offering up your end of the bargain. Here's my blood. Thanks for destroying the neighbor's crops for some reason. And you know what? That probably is where I have heard the stereotype that they're somehow related to you or like in disguise and part oh. human for them to be quasi-human. Okay, sure. so now we are unpacking stereotypes okay. today, people. I am learning. We are having a good day. That makes a lot of sense, too, because like what you were saying about princess. Now I'm using her as the example of a familiar. <laughs> What you were saying about Princess, like, knowing what was going on, it almost gives her, like, a human energy about her. She certainly didn't feel like a cat. Like, she felt like something was up. Creepy. (laughs) But I did always think, like, oh, she feels like she's in the know somehow compared to other animals. Mm -hmm. Like, she's, like, superior in some way. feeding her blood, I think. That, you know... (laughs) You always thought that was a little weird. <laughs> Even in TV shows, like if there's a magical cat, they're talking, there's like a mm-hmm. humanish trait to them. Also, in Charmed, there was a familiar who literally turned into a human whenever oh. her name was Kit, like Kit Kat. And they didn't know. It was like just a cat that like was always around their house, just bopping around whenever there was trouble. And then eventually she like turns into a human and like helps save them or something. Spoilers. I don't totally remember the episode. I might be giving you a completely different storyline, but she does become a human eventually. So I think everyone's kind of falling for this stereotype. Yeah, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. In English stories, a witch might have more than one familiar, which is fun. Just a legion of flies. (laughs) Under your command. <laughs> I prefer Legion of Cats, but let's oh, do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. A murder of crows, if you Ooh. will. Hmm. So you'd have maybe one for working magic on human beings and then other familiars to work magic on other animals or inanimate objects. Aww. So they have just like different. They all have their own <laughs> little jobs. Missions. Yeah, exactly. They have their own jobs. <laughs> they have their own name tags. That's just mine because I thought it was cute. Very but. sweet. <laughs> Coming up, as you might expect, during witch trials that took place in various places around the globe, specifically in England, there have been documented cases where a familiar was present. I'll tell you the story of one cat connected to three separate witches. And his name was Thackeray Binks. Or, I don't know. I thought you were going to say princess, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm just throwing three separate witches. I don't know. We'll see which cat you're referring to, but it's either princess or Thackeray Binks and no one in between. They say time heals all wounds, but sometimes time can do anything but. Welcome to Cold Cases, the new Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Carter Roy. Every Monday, join me as I revisit the clues and miscues of some of the most elusive criminal cases in history. From burglary and arson to kidnappings and murder, each episode of Cold Cases explores the many types of crime the many ways they remain unsolved, and how long it takes to find the answers, if ever. 
Will justice be served? Only time will tell. Follow Cold Cases free and only on Spotify. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right. In 2020, the owner and creative director of The Hood Witch, Brie Luna, told Teen Vogue, quote, Familiars are not just pets. They are our truest friends and confidants. They hear and see it all. They understand and know us better than we may even know ourselves. That's very sweet. Very heartwarming. I mean, a little bit more heartwarming than (laughs) the... They drink our blood and they're part (laughs) satanic. (laughs) But as we talked about, their past was really connected to the devil and being evil spirits. And so I think probably as time has gone on and we've looked at witches with a more understanding, positive light, Mm -hmm. I think maybe the form of the familiar also (laughs) got a little less demonic in nature. Sounds true. Yeah. (laughs) In the familiar lore, once they were accepted by a witch, that witch was then associated with the devil because this animal is, Mm -hmm. you know, doing acts for the devil. And we know how much the reputation of witches was skewed back in those days. So they were already not looked upon in a friendly way. Kindly, yeah. Kindly. Unfortunately, as we've talked about on the show several times, there were witch trials that took place because people thought they were saving the world from these evil witches. And maybe less documented than other pieces of these witch trial stories were the presence of familiars, which, again, like, I feel like this would have piqued my interest. Like, why are we not including these little animals in all the stories? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like for as much as we talk about spiritualism or people involved in it, I feel like I rarely hear about their pets. And that really is something I could vibe with. That should be our third podcast where every episode we just talk about a different pet of a spiritualist and what their ins and outs are. Just talk about a witchy pet. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's nice. So familiars at the witch trials. Let's get into it. It was apparently during conversations and debates about magic and witchcraft where the relationship between animals and humans started and specifically turned into the devil appearing as an animal to witches. Mm. And so came the demonizing of witch-owned pets during accusations and trials. I am now realizing maybe I don't want to know the details of the stories of the witches' pets because I don't want to know what happened to them. Mm, Fair enough. Starting to realize maybe that wasn't a happy story in the end. I mean, if they're hurting humans, right? They're probably hurting their bridge to Satan, if you know what I'm saying. Exactly. If they legitimately think this is not a cat, this is Satan's minion, then yeah, I can see why that where that would go wrong. Also, really grasping at straws here for like any reason to hate a person. It's like, oh, they have a pet? Like that must be the demon. Like any reason to call someone a witch. Yeah, your ferret is doing bad, bad things, and I just know it. Any reason to call someone a witch, I guess. So you keep a ferret in a pot. I would probably also call you a witch, but that's besides. I, <laughs> yeah, maybe if you have your pet and it likes to weasel into boxes, maybe just quickly take them out of the box before someone notices and the stereotype reforms. Uh oh. The first recorded witch trial that explicitly references familiars is believed to be the witch trial in Ireland of Alice Kittler. Interesting, Kit. You said Kit earlier. <gasps> Alice Kittler. I like that. And this was in 1324. 
A lot of the English witch trials and what was printed about them also mentioned familiars. Those references said that familiars appeared in a variety of forms, including in human form. Okay, so you were right on that. Okay, well, hey, finally. I was right about something. I guess that's true because you don't watch what we do in the shadows, do you? No, but humble brag, I worked on it. So, you know. (laughs) So who needs to watch it? I didn't run and watch it. No, to me, it felt like work. So. Oh, I see. Well, there is a familiar who is a human. So is it a cat? No, I just said it's a human. Oh, it's a I didn't know if it like we knew what its animal form might have been. No, there is no animal animal form. That's what I'm saying. Like sometimes they can be humans. Oh, just plain old human. Gotcha, gotcha, plain old human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sometimes they could be humans and occasionally a hybrid of both. So I don't know if that's like an anamorph situation or if they are like literally just always human combined with an animal. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. But this was supposedly reflecting their demon side. So also in the UK and Essex, there were trials that took place in Kelmsford beginning in 1566. And there are stories of three women accused of witchcraft in those trials where familiars are connected to them. Specifically, a white spotted cat named Satan. <laughs> Which, like, you were signing up for <sighs> trouble with that name. <laughs> I feel like I like to think that those three witches, they were just like, they had the darkest humor at this point. They were like, <laughs> you know what? Fine. You think he's Satan? He's Satan. Let's sure. lean into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apparently, the cat was fed their blood and brought material objects to the women. The cat also supposedly hurt some people in the community, caused illness and even death. Whoa. And the idea was that the cat was passed down, as we mentioned, being one of the ways to get a familiar with instructions for its care. Oh. You know, how to take care of Satan. (laughs) Warm milk before dinner. (laughs) And cold blood. And cold blood. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like giving a cat (laughs) to somebody with an instruction manual might just be more, you know, this cat named Satan was a little too rough for me to handle with my toddler in tow. So maybe you can take care of this cat, Satan. Here's an instruction manual. I feel like that happens even today where all of a sudden, like, you're just being handed a cat that was too ratty for one family. Now it's like, well, I have to deal with it now. Hang on a second. I didn't think Princess would live 45 years. Sorry. At least 45, it feels like. (laughs) But yeah, like, that's a very interesting point. Maybe the instructions that came with the cat were like to maybe make your experience with the cat less horrible. I don't know. She loves blood. (laughs) Just one prick will do. Just just one one on the face. Don't worry. So unfortunately, here are the results of those three witch trials. Agnes Waterhouse confessed and was hanged. Elizabeth Francis was imprisoned for one year, but repeatedly questioned, and Joan Waterhouse was acquitted. I just still don't understand how you were acquitted at that point in time. I know. Because I feel like if you confessed, it's because you were kind of forced to, you know? Right. I feel like all the things that were just described about that cat, I feel like those were all set under duress. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Exactly, exactly. The feeding of blood to the familiar, the cat, was a big part of Agnes's testimony. So uh-huh. yep. here you go. She said the cat always wanted a drop of her blood. And this is where it becomes a little troublesome. She claimed she had scars from where she had pricked her skin for the cat. And she later wanted to withdraw that testimony. But because she had scars, they were like, no, you were telling the truth. Uh. You can't withdraw your testimony because you have the physical scars. After Agnes, accused witches would have their bodies searched for scars, 
yikes, that were used as evidence that they fed the demons their blood and interacted with the devil. And Jesus. Yeah. As somebody who walks into coffee tables at least three times a week, the number of scars I have just from <laughs> being clumsy, I would be in trouble. Accused. Yeah. Instantly. Well, this also feels like one of those things where like. It was set under duress and then like the witch hunters used that testimony mm-hmm. as a way to investigate every person after that. Yeah, so then the confession, quote unquote. So now all these people are now being like searched for scars, which is like everyone's got a scar somewhere. Exactly. So- and remember, they were also searching people for birthmarks. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure anything that was even slightly abnormal, they could use against you. Wow. Okay. Well, so this is just another who'd have thunk that like familiars would also be I mean, I know that they were part of witches and therefore probably had a part of witch trials, but I never even thought like, oh, a cat scratching you or you feeding them blood is something that people were looking for. Yeah. I feel like every time we talk about the witch trials, there's a new thing I'm learning that they searched your body for. Yeah, that they used against you and it's just I mean, you have enough at this point. Yeah. What more do you what need? What more do you need? <laughs> like, if you have eyeballs, you're a witch at this point. Yeah. Mary Beth Norton's book In the Devil's Snare about the Salem witch hunts and trials in the early 1690s mentions familiar spirits as well, specifically connected to a young woman named Tichaba, which I feel like you've talked about before on the show. I think so. Yeah. I remember her being accused of witchcraft. It Mm. said a hog, yellow bird, black dog, red cat, and black cat were, quote, emissaries of the devil that urged her to hurt children. Oh, well, hmm. I mean, what? First of all, a specific and colorful array of animals. Sounds like a children's book that went wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so I feel like, why are these what urged her to hurt her children. I feel like the logic never makes sense. Never makes sense. It's just huge gaps that were just being filled. Uh Uh-huh. Willy-nilly. Willy-nilly. Up next, familiars have found their place in pop culture. I feel like you might know and probably have already mentioned some of the most famous familiars from comics to TV, so we'll get into that a little more in detail. Yay! Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. All right, so let's talk familiars in pop culture. As I said, the modern take on familiars is much more friendly, furry, fur baby, you know, and less evil devil creatures who drink your blood. Mm -hmm. Magic practitioner Nina Khan told Teen Vogue in 2020, people can be connected emotionally and communicate telepathically with animals. 
I love that. I also love that. I want to keep that part. I like that part. I follow some animal mediums and psychics on TikTok. Uh, you also follow some human psychics named Chip Coffee. I sure do. And I bet he could talk to animals if he really wanted to. He could do it all as far as you're concerned. <laughs> She's quoted as saying about her hamster bagel. Okay, <laughs> like, I don't need to hear anything else. That's <laughs> the best. I love that we started with a cat named Satan and now we're at a hamster named Bagel. Like we really... <laughs> I can't tell if we're going up or down. <laughs> I know, me too. So she's quoted as saying about her hamster Bagel. He became a true familiar to me. I adopted him in my late teens from a friend who could no longer care for him and immediately felt bonded. I could easily read his emotions and he communicated with me in so many different and meaningful ways. That's very sweet. There are times where I don't believe people when they say things like that. But then I think back to Princess and I'm like, yeah, I felt the same way that she felt about Bagel. So I don't know. You didn't seem to be as enamored with Princess. We understood each other, though. I understood she wanted to kill me. Oh, I see. And I understood she was here for the long haul. You, so. <laughs> you didn't seem to understand that because you were surprised every time you saw her alive. That's true. <laughs> she just kept proving me wrong. And then she'd look at me and go, that's right. I'm still here. I'm still here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, one of the most famous familiars in pop culture is a black American short hair cat. I'm sure you heard of him. His name is Salem. Yeah, I do appreciate Salem. Me too. Salem was first introduced as an orange cat, believe it or not, in the comic Archie's Madhouse number 22 in 1962. Hmm. And he belonged to Sabrina Spellman, a.k.a. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Love it. Love it. In the Sabrina comics and the later TV shows, Salem's general story is that he was once a witch that was stripped of his powers and sentenced to spend 100 years as a cat by the witch's council. Oh. So this is like his punishment, basically. I see, which is also very Thackeray Binks of Hocus Pocus. Right. He was also cursed to be a cat. That's true. Similar origin story. Hmm. Did you watch Netflix's Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? I didn't, but I heard from many who did that it was very good. It's a great show. And so they do touch on that storyline, that plot line, that this is his punishment. And he's mm. actually a witch who is being punished to <laughs> live in this cat form. Gotcha. So in the series on Netflix, Salem is referred to as a goblin who's a powerful protective force for his humans. I also call you a goblin. You do. But you don't say the other nice things about me. My little goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Other pop culture references to familiars can, of course, be found in books, shows, and movies that deal with the supernatural. The book series, His Dark Materials, which I know my little sister used to read. Oh, cool. Uh, the TV series, The X-Files, one of my favorites. What We Do in the Shadows, which I mentioned earlier. Charmed, one of your favorites. Mm -hmm. And Supernatural. I feel like we've checked off all of these. In some way, yeah. In some way. We're on it. <laughs> Many think there are familiars in the world of Harry Potter, but the Wizarding World website printed that J.K. Rowling denied that they exist in the Harry Potter universe. So they're actually hmm. not considered familiars, which is interesting because I feel like we're all thinking of like that Scabbers, the rat, right? Who then, yeah, like, and like Hedwig. Into... And I feel like oh. it is, you know, they all have a pet. It seems like it would be a familiar, you know? Yeah. And I guess because Scabbers and like you find out he is a human in disguise, which is maybe where I get that reference from oh. but yeah i guess that was through a spell right not i don't know but okay i guess if the wizarding world says it so then i'll believe it i'm not gonna fight it yeah yeah so i guess they were not considered even though there are familiarities they were not considered familiars uh-huh so 
maybe all this will make you think differently the next time you look at your pet. I have a black cat and he likes to drown his own toys. So I feel a little bit like I'm already scared of him. (laughs) So he will um, take his toys and carry them to his water bowl and then drop them and watch them as they sink to the bottom. And he will do this with not only his toys, but pretty much any small object in the house, sometimes even a sock or a mitten. Baby socks have been known. He drags them to the water bowl and then just watches as they sink to the bottom. It's very dark to watch. I wonder if he would do that with small animals, if he could get his hand on a little animal. That's kind of what we feared might happen. So I don't think there are any small rodent pets in our future. You also have a dog who is known to like do the thing with his toys where he's imitating snapping their neck. Yeah, that like big so, like shake back and forth. That's so cute until you realize it's their instinct to <laughs> break their prey's neck. <laughs> Charming. So he snaps the neck and then Moonshine drowns it in the river and uh, <laughs> together they commit a double homicide. It's yeah. My sister calls uh, Juniper, our other cat, the white cat, old god. Old God. I don't know quite why, but she has developed this nickname for him. So really, all my pets have some like creepy, dark, (laughs) dark backstories that I didn't quite sign up for. Old God. Oh, that's very scary. It's very scary. Do you feel like out of any of them, do you feel like you're particularly bonded to any of them in a certain way? Gio's my firstborn, as you know. So I consider him, you know, my first child. Mm-hmm. Now that I have a child, I feel like I'm allowed to say that because in the past I felt like I shouldn't say that because people with actual children <laughs> would not love it. But I do. I consider him my firstborn. He was certainly your first 24-7 responsibility. First project and <laughs> yeah. big mistake. Yeah, big mistake. <laughs> I don't regret it. But trust me, when they say it's a lot of work, it's a lot of work. What do you think at the end of all this? How do you feel about familiars? You know, I kind of prefer the newer take we have. Me too. The more modern take. (laughs) I definitely think of it as a modern take. I don't know if it's really that. I guess it's no more probably than animals just having a really close bond with their owner that it feels like a human connection. Right, right. Like maybe I can see them coming off as something more supernatural because we know where we've often talked about how they can hear and see things that we can't. True. Good point. So maybe because they're, I don't know if they're connected more spiritually or maybe they just experience the world differently than we do Mm -hmm. and it's creepy to us. Yeah, that's a great point. But I could see that as becoming part of the more modern take, too, of that, oh, they're connected to the spirits because they know what's going on. I like that. They can see beyond the veil, maybe. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's at least a fun theory. I definitely wish my cat could be a true like human or spirit guide familiar well, or something like that. I was going to ask that. you, because you don't have a cat, but if you were to get a familiar, what would you get? Because you don't have a pet right now. Yeah. Happily so, by the way, considering I have watched you through all the tumbles. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm happy to have all my it's independence. It's I love being selfish with when my time. When you step on a wet toy in the middle of the <sighs> night with socks on and you're wow. like, what did I just step in? Yeah. I like how you had three of those and then you're like, let's make a human one. That's like, you just love the chaos, I guess. I live but on the edge and you know that about me. I love waking up to a dry floor all the time in every room. Boring. Um, <laughs> If I had to, I mean, if we're picking what type of pet, I like a dog. But if we're picking a familiar, yeah. I feel like that gives me more room to pick something kind of kooky. Something kooky for sure. I used to have a hedgehog. Oh, yeah. I really love my hedgehog. They're not legal in California, though. So mm. I would still pick a hedgehog, I think. I don't know. I, it's something I know and I feel safe with. And he was also very sweet and cute. So if you had a hedgehog, I might move back to L.A. 
they're also so low maintenance. So it was a really that good time ideal. for me. As someone who doesn't <laughs> like responsibility or commitment, um, they are low maintenance and they only live a few years. So, you know, that is perfect for me. Why and... don't you just get a freaking cactus at this point? And... <laughs> or nothing at all. That lasts a long time, Jeez. too. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd say a hedgehog. What about you? Besides a dog or a cat or a human, something you don't own. Oh, what yeah. Do you... I think something fun like a ferret. I've always wanted a ferret. Me too. I feel like they're really fun pets and I've heard people who have them have just and rats. I know you're probably not a big fan of rats. I'm not team rat. I'm not. No, they're so smart and sweet and gentle. I can vibe with the hedgehog and that's about it in the. Sorry. Maybe pig me goat like one of those little tiny ones. Goats are good, too. Pig or goat. I'm going to have a whole farm. This is what happens. Okay. This is what happens. This is how my house ends up a circus and a zoo. Tomorrow, Christine's going to call me and be like, so I bought a farm. And so guess what? <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about. As the friend who is so against like picking anything that involves commitment, to get random texts in the middle of the night of Christine, who would likely Committing. say, I bought a whole farm and this is my <laughs> life now. It's the scariest thing in the world to be To be fair, I live in Kentucky. So if I were going to buy a farm, this might be the easiest slash cheapest place to do it. It wouldn't be that hard for you. No. And also, you know, I think it's kind of an ideal scenario for you because you don't have the responsibility. You get to just sit on the sidelines. That's why I'm friends with you. I'm like, you've yeah, got okay. babies, Perfect. you've got dogs, you've got it all. So I can secondhand experience it. And yeah. when I'm tired, I can go home. So you can like visit, feed my dog too much peanut butter, and then I deal with the puke afterward. It really is like yeah. an ideal scenario. Yeah. For me only. but For you only. Yeah, of course. And for my dog. <laughs> and that's the familiar I want. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Information on today's episode came from Witches, Familiars in England by M.A. Murray, Witches, Familiars, and Human-Animal Interactions in the English Witch Trials by Helen Parrish, Conway Hall, Witches and the Dead, The Case for the English Ghost Familiar by Victoria Carr, The Witch Cult in Western Europe by Margaret Alice Murray, the BBC, The Witch's Mark in the Salem Witchcraft Trials of 1692 by Devin McMahon, In the Devil's Snare by Mary Beth Norton, Teen Vogue's article, What a Witch's Familiar Really Is, by Lisa Stardust, and Chilly Adventures of Sabrina, Witch Familiars Explained, on Den of Geek. Remember to follow Rituals on Spotify to get a brand new episode every week. And you can listen to this and all other episodes of Rituals for free exclusively on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. You can find me at DM Schultz. And you can find me at Xteen Schieffer. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. Rituals is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Kevin McAlpine. Fact checking by Lori Siegel. Research by Sapphire Williams. It's produced by Kristen Acevedo and Jonathan Ratliff with production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Christine Schiefer and M. Schultz. Hi, I'm Carter Roy, host of the Spotify original from ParCast, Cold Cases. From burglary and arson to kidnappings and murder, explore the many types of crime, the many ways they remain unsolved, and how long it takes to find the answers, if ever. Catch a new episode of Cold Cases every Monday. Listen free, only on Spotify. Spotify.